We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, you fired up for McNeese State this week. Yeah, I'm as yeah, I kind of am. As fired up as one gets for McNeese State. I think it's just McNeese now. They dropped the state apparently. Oh, I sound like an old man now. Well, I don't I mean, I still call it like You remember when uh, Memphis was Memphis State when we were growing up? Oh yeah, Penny Penny Hardaway days. Yeah, like I still call it Memphis State. So I don't think there's any uh <laughs> The really old timers here in these neck of the woods call, you know, there's UCO, University of Central Oklahoma. Yeah. The old timers still call it Central State. <laughs> and like when they would say that, I like, I have no idea what school you're talking about. But I guess UCO used to be called Central State. Central, so it's very similar. Central State sounds like, uh, like the generic high school in like a movie. They got Central State on, uh, on Friday night. Yeah, when you're going directional and the state, you're just you're at your wits end, like northwestern state. Uh, that's so. that's awesome. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I'm excited. You know, I, I, I'm. We're gonna talk about this in a minute. I just I think this is an elite offense, and I you know they're gonna hammer McNeese. They're gonna score a ton of points, but you want to see him be crisp. You want to see. I'd like to see some Drew Brown. You know, I, I not to you know get this going again, but get Drew Brown some some you know a fourth quarter, a quarter and a half, something like that. And I don't know. Do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Because we got a couple of different directions we can go with the offense. Where, where are you wanting to start here? Well, I'll just piggyback off that before we go elsewhere. I mean, I I'd like to see Drew Brown play three quarters. I mean, I think you start Sanders, you get up twenty one points and. You you put you, you give him a visor like Gundy wears after the game and just say go sit over there, and I, I want to see what Drew Brown can do. So that that that's intriguing, and of course you just you want to see just some other guys make some plays, the guys you haven't seen a lot of that we've heard about. Like I, a guy I kind of like to see is Patrick McCoffman. We yeah. heard so much about that guy last year before he hurt his knee. You know guys like that. I think that's that's the one thing you can kind of look forward to in games like this is, is just see more of guys you've heard about, but haven't quite seen yet. Yeah. Braden Johnson is another guy that comes to mind. We didn't talk about this, but how about the drop he had against Oregon state? Yeah. I thought it was Tywin at first. I was like, wait a second. Did Tywin just drop that? And I figured out it was him. So <laughs> well, the announcer was like, Oh, Sanders is going to want that one back. And I was like, is he? Cause he'll, it, it looked pretty good. Um, no, I, you know, I, I think, it, I don't know if, so you want Drew Brown to play three quarters? Yeah, I just don't want Spencer Sanders to get hurt. And once, like, frankly, what's what's the use? I guess Spencer hasn't played a ton of college football, but yeah. I just don't see the use in playing him more than a half. I mean, maybe three quarters is aggressive because he is a starting quarterback and he wants to play. Get all that, but... I'd like to give Drew Brown extended look um, and extended time to play. Do you remember the game? Just to see what, just see what he's got. You, you know, we don't know anything more, about him. You just want more controversy. Drew Brown th- goes like 20 for 20 in the second oh, half. And... I think we all watched the Oregon State game. There is no controversy. Do you remember the 2011 game when they when uh, Oklahoma, when, when Whedon and Black, they, they were up like, I think they scored 35 in the first quarter. And you start looking Which around. Game? Uh, sorry, the Kansas game in 2011. Oh yeah, that's I, like the that's like as bad as you can possibly beat someone is that game. Like yeah. you can't even do that in a video game, really. Yeah, and you start looking around, you're like, are they 
Like Clint Shelf played, I think he played like two and a half quarters that game. Because I they, think he got in in the first half. Yeah. He did. He did. Yeah. Yes. You're right. Well, and it, it wasn't on TV too, so it's just taken on like all you could see was like the game cast if you weren't there. And it was just like taking on mythical proportions of just, is this really happening? They're up 35 to nothing after like 10 minutes of play. <laughs> yeah, it's like a slot machine. Yeah. Uh, okay, one note I have here, uh, and I, I want to talk about something more positive in a second, but the, the backup running back spot. And I think that, you know, I I don't dislike LD Brown. I didn't think he looked great against Oregon State. Uh, I, I have thought he's looked pretty good in the past. He came into the year averaging over six yards a carry uh, it, for his career. Granted, it was against Missouri State. It's in a lot of fourth quarters. It's not It's not like a real number, but I don't, they're thin at running back, and Gundy knows it. He talked about it on Monday in his press conference. They, even like their their third running back is this is this walk on kid that I know you want to talk about, Marshall Scott's hero from Medill, Oklahoma, where Marshall's from. Um, what what what's going on here? What happened to DeAndre Glass winning the Heisman? What happened to Jamal Jeter? <laughs> what happened to to Dez Jackson? I I honestly like, and this is just my like quick take, and you can disagree with it if you want, but I feel like it's a little bit of an indictment on on how they've not really recruited that position super well since Marcus Arroyo left and they just they don't seem super deep behind behind Chuba right now yeah I mean I, I wasn't as down on LD as you I thought he had a really good touchdown run where he ran through about six tackles um I think LD Brown's fine I, I why, okay. why are you so down why are you so down on him after the Oregon State game I don't know it just it, and maybe it's just the difference between him and Chuba it just felt like Wow, this is way different. And maybe Chuba's just the best back in the country, and it should <laughs> and it should feel different when you have somebody in there who's just an okay back. But again, like I go back to last year, Chuba's the backup last year, and the, and and JD King comes into the year third. Str- they're just they've been so deep at that position in the last few years uh, that it it I don't know it worries me a little bit. Yeah, I think your concerns are valid when talking about Desmond Jackson and Jamal Jeter. I mean, those guys have been in the program, or I guess Desmond's new. He's a junior college guy. supposed to be able to play right away, right? That's why you recruit right. a junior college player in the first place. But Jeter's a redshirt freshman, and it appears they've been passed over by, by Micah Cooper, who to me is, I mean, he's one of those guys you start scrambling for the, for the, for the roster. Like, who? <laughs> And I look him up. He he played at some place called Henderson State, a Division two school in in uh, Ark Adelphia, Arkansas. Then he went to NEO, which obviously has has ties there with Zach Allen's the head coach there, former long snapper for OSU. Uh, NEO has always produced really good players, and I thought he looked pretty good. Um, but there's two ways to look at it, Kyle. Either this guy's just beating those guys out handily through through uh, just playing well, or to your point, they just haven't recruited as well, and Desmond Jackson and Jamal Jeter just aren't ready to play. So that, I think it's a concern in that when you look at guys like Justice Hill and Chuba Hubbard, just the, the level of athlete that Marcus Arroyo was recruiting, and I think I think Hill might have gotten there before Arroyo. I can't ever remember if, if Arroyo recruited Justice Hill or not, but he recruited Chuba Hubbard. That's the reason a kid from Canada ended up in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is Marcus Arroyo was recruiting lights out at the running back position he got he pulled off the chris carson junior college acquisition as well so i am concerned moving forward about 
the level of running back recruit because Chuba, as you as you mentioned, is just light years ahead of anyone else on the roster. Do you think Henderson State plays Central State in conference play? <laughs> They're probably longtime rivals. <laughs> Central State and Henderson State. I mean, and the reason I wanted to talk about Micah Cooper too was just that tremendous story that Mike Gundy told about how hard he works in the off season. He was running like sprints barefooted, I guess. <laughs> And he's from uh, Medill. I didn't know Marshall Scott was from Medill. That's basically like Lake Texoma. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to call. I wanted to call Michael Cooper like Big Big Tex, Big <laughs> Texoma, or something. That's pretty good. So, but but I think it's a it's a good story. And and I I was kind of impressed by him. So I I, I think it'd be a, a a really cool story if if he ends up being, you know, second third team running back. Yeah. All year. No, for sure, for sure. Uh, Gundy did say that Jamal Jeter's been I think banged up a little bit. So. You know, maybe they got four guys, and maybe there's one elite guy and three guys that are just kind of okay, and maybe that's enough. Maybe I don't know. I, I it it is a little concerning that Gundy. Remember how Gundy like wouldn't let Justice run last year? Like it was like uh, like even even when you got into like the real like the conference stuff, and Justice was like nine touches 12 to and you're like what what uh, like is he like saving him for the nfl like what's going on here if it feels a little like the opposite this year with chuba like just (laughs) ride him into the ground gundy said well you know like we're looking at 300 touches i don't know i don't know how much (laughs) to to hand it to him but he looked pretty good to me and uh pretty good summary by by mike gundy of week one there yeah, and I again, I think Gundy's been very honest in saying that he didn't think he did a good job last year. And I think he looks back at the lack of usage for Justice Hill in some certain games and probably wishes he had given the ball more. So I, I, I can totally understand wanting to give Chuba the rock 30 times, and I wouldn't fault him for that. I do, I do worry about limiting him. You know, game like this, I don't even think he should – like they should like pull a NBA load management thing and just not even play Chuba against McNeese. But I guess if you're trying to get him to New York for the Heisman ceremony, that's a moot point. But I'm a little more cautious with injuries than most. Yeah. Uh, okay, I got a quote here about from, from Gundy about the offensive line. That's what I want to talk about next. It's in the it's all excuse me. It's early in all phases. Everybody has to be careful about being on the Kool Aid early, which is a whole. <laughs> it's a hilarious phrase, uh, but it was the highest grade that we ever that we've ever had as an offensive line group since I've been the head coach. How about that? Are you, are you there? Are you still alive? Are you still with us? Or have you passed out? Uh, I am still here, uh, but I am a little stunned that, that Mike would go as far to say that. And look, Mike is obviously way more insight than I do on the last 15 years of offensive line play and how they've graded. But I just, I find that, a little hard to believe based on what I saw from like the 2011 offensive line, you know, Brandon Whedon would stand back there for seven, eight seconds without getting breathed on Joseph Randall and Jeremy Smith would run through Mack truck sized running lanes virtually every game. That's like the best offensive line I've ever seen at OSU. So if, if he's saying they're grading better than that, then that, that to me is encouraging. And that, that speaks to what you and I have, have heard and have talked about on this podcast that Charlie Dickey's done wonders already uh, on the offensive line. Yeah, that's the other thing. Kyle Boone had a couple things in our PFB Plus forum this week, which people should go sign up for if, if they haven't yet. It's uh, kind of our our uh, premium subscription. And he had a couple of uh, sourced 
little nuggets, little tidbits that I won't spill here, but it was basically like uh, the summary of it is, is Charlie Dickey is like the greatest offensive line coach of all time. And, and that's, <laughs> that's something that like we, I think would have insinuated based on the people that we've talked to and stuff we've heard and, and all these different things. But uh, it seemed like Kyle was talking to somebody who was pretty close to it. And I think Gundy's just over the moon about, about Charlie Dickey and about how all of this has worked out. And Look, that was, I mean, this is Bill Haston's thing, right? It's like the offensive line plays the bedrock of all those really great OSU teams. And they haven't had it. They didn't have it. They didn't, they never really had it with Rudolph, even though those, those were some good teams. You had a 10 and 0 team. You had a, you know, three 10 and three teams. Uh, they were really good, but they weren't, they, they weren't at that level to where you're like, this team could win it all, like that 11 team. And even the 10 team was like that a little bit, you know, I, I think more so than people remember. And that was because the offensive line. And uh, so I, I don't know. I, it excites me just because I, I know that that is so foundational to what you're trying to do as, as a college football team. Yeah, it's really exciting. And it's also exciting that he's kind of an older coach and he, he obviously stuck around with Bill Snyder for years and years and years. So it seems as if he's a coach who will stick around for a while, which hasn't always been the case with Mike Gundy's assistants. You know, he, he makes that joke that he wanted to start the website hire coach Gundy's coaches because he just kept getting poached every single off season. So hopefully Dickie can stick around for an entire recruiting cycle. That to me would be just, you know, found money, something that Gundy hasn't had in years at the offensive line position since Joe Wickline, frankly. Gundy should start. And uh, we had Sam. Go ahead. He should start putting his uh, job openings in the, on the PFB plus forum. Like just behind the, <laughs> behind the paywall, just so people can, yeah, people can get behind there and see. <laughs> nice little plug there. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Sam Mays on our preview show or our pregame special against, you know, Oklahoma Houston game. We talked a little bit about OSU and he made the point, and I hadn't really thought of it in these terms, but like he, from what he saw and how improved the offensive line looked, he's like, can you imagine what, what Mason Rudolph would have done with an offensive line half that good? Yeah. Like, it is kind of crazy to look back on, on Mason Rudolph's tenure and just how poor the offensive line play was and how much success he still had. That, to me, um, we'll look back on that more and more fondly as the years go by, just what he was able to do with, with the lack of, of really a running game or an offensive line, frankly. Well, and that, that was his most underrated thing, right? It was like being able to kind of move around, so, uh, coincidentally, like like Ben Roethlisberger. Like just move around back there by himself an extra second, an extra second and a half, and find James Washington, you know, streaking down the middle. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's a good point. Uh, speaking of the offense, I wanted to get – so we've we've been away from it for a few days. We have a little bit of perspective. Uh, we saw the OU game. Um how hard are you pumping the brakes on like I, I saw the advance some of the advanced stats came out I think it was today OKC Dave posted this in the forum people should go check it out but kind of the uh, the FEI stuff the S&P plus I don't understand it all but it's 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 good and it's accurate but Oklahoma State was number two I think it was S&P plus offense uh, so far this season and that's what it felt like. It felt like I was watching the second best offense in the country. But again, there's a caveat. It's Oregon State. They're not great. Just what's your level of of break pumping after after week one and and gaining a little perspective on it a few days out? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly you have to preface everything with the fact that it is just one game, but it's the only thing we have to go on. And so, 
when you judge the performance, it was a lights out A plus performance. And again, I, well, the way I view it, Kyle, is the ceiling for this season has been lifted with how good the offense looked. Yeah. I don't care if it was Oregon State. They play in the Big 12, a league that is that is defensively challenged. I mean, do I really think Texas Tech is going to have answers for Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, and Tywin Wallace? Absolutely not. They did last year. I mean, OSU got shut out at home last year by Texas Tech. So that, to me, yes, it's Oregon State, but I just think they pose so many problems offensively that if their defense just doesn't lay an egg, they'll have a chance to win most of the games they play this season. Uh, do I think they're going undefeated? Absolutely not. But for, through one game, my opinion of OSU has, has jumped one, two, maybe even three wins. Is I think a lot more is on the table for me after what I saw just out of the quarterback position. The fact Tywin Wallace looks even more uncoverable than he did last year, and the fact that Chuba Hubbard looked like Barry freaking Sanders back there. Yeah, that to me was was a stunning performance. It, it was it exceeded any expectations I had, frankly, going on the road, uh, 9:30 kick on national TV. I was I was thoroughly impressed, and I, so it doesn't sound like I'm pumping the brakes hardly at all, Kyle. In fact, I think I'm hitting the gas. So, <laughs> so to answer your question, no, I'm not. I'm pumping zero brakes now. I'm definitely like putting the emergency break on for the defense. I think they have a lot to work on. I think Oregon State's Oregon State's better offensively than anyone wants to give them credit based on their team only winning three games in two years. Yeah, yeah. But I think they they have a really good running back. The quarterback played decent enough, made a few plays. That some of those plays you just tip your cap to. So, but I I am concerned about the defense yet again. D- didn't you have OSU winning nine games? I did. So one, two, or even three, jump jumping yeah. up. Yeah. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Here, here, okay, so as you were talking, I thought about this. Oklahoma State's defense is like – like we talk about OSU's defense the way we talk about, um, I don't know, Rory or Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson with their putter, right? Yeah, it's like just, right. just be average. Like if you're average, like you're, you're going to win, right? Mm-hmm. And, and last year they, could, they couldn't do it. They couldn't putt. They couldn't be average. <laughs> they couldn't play defense. And I don't, you know, who knows? Like Gundy sounded sort of optimistic on Monday. It sounds like they're going to have Trace Ford play like nine positions. Like maybe all they, they might just clone Trace Ford and play him all over. I, I have no idea. Is he going to be RB two instead <laughs> yeah, of LD? He, he might be. <laughs> he played a little offense in high school. He could he could get after it. He can he can run. Stole no, some, I mean stole some bases against Stillwater High. <laughs> I mean, we have, we've had that conversation for years now, Kyle. If they're just like around top 50-ish in defense, total numbers, like they're in business. And the reason I say, I, even though I had them at nine wins, I could see them winning 10, 11, maybe even, I mean, 12 sounds crazy. I understand that. But, I mean, good luck outscoring what I saw. Good luck outscoring Spencer Sanders running like a scat back hurdling dudes and throwing dimes from hash to hash. Um, good luck to any defense they play. Now... They might it might be a little bit like like Baker Mayfield's years at OU where he had to score fifty to win. Uh, that that might be the case, but um, I don't know, man. I'm I am bullish on the OSU offense. I I, I was thoroughly thoroughly impressed. G- give me a comparison real quick because I I know you we're going to talk about Cade Cunningham here in a second, but I know you watched OU. I know you uh, were covering that. Were uh, did the pregame show leading in what? <laughs> 
They were. I, I watched a little bit of their game. I think Lincoln Riley is just a freak. I think he's unbelievable. Uh, Hurts look good, but what? How? How would you? And I know it's hard because you don't like it. It's hard to do like the Houston Oregon State thing. You're like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how those defenses are. But just in terms of like consuming as a consumer, when you're watching those two offenses, are they are they are they equal? Is OU better? Like, what what's what's your take on that? Well, both defenses they faced were awful. I mean, yeah. Houston's defense is as bad as Oregon State's, if not worse. I think Houston had the second worst pass defense in the country last year. Um, but, I mean, it's different. It's totally different than anything we've seen from OU in years past. Like, the, the design runs with Jalen Hurts. Like, Lincoln has already dialed up. Like, I thought Dan Orlovsky did a really good breakdown of, instead of RPO, he was doing PROs, you know, pass run options instead of run pass. Um, but, I mean, they looked, they looked explosive. They certainly looked to me like the best team in the Big 12. I mean, their defense, the most biggest takeaway I had, Kyle, wasn't about their offense. It was about their defense. I mean, Houston's got a good offense. I mean, Derek King, their quarterback, was ranked second by pro football focus last year in terms of just pure grade. And they made him look pretty ordinary. I mean, they had two, three and outs to start the game. I can't remember a three and out all of last season with OU's defense. So they look better through one game. I mean, the league runs through them. I mean, that's that's simple as that. And it, it seems as if now it doesn't matter who the quarterback is for Lincoln Riley. They're just going to score a bunch of points. <laughs> and Jalen Hurts certainly look capable. How many games could Lincoln Riley win at OU with me as the as the as the OU quarterback? Uh, I haven't seen you throw a football, so I don't know. I can. You, I can. You spin it. I can sling it. Yeah, I don't know. That that might be asking a lot, though. <laughs> I mean, he he. You could hand it off to Trey Sermon. I think <laughs> they wouldn't finish last. You could throw it up in the air and let him go get it. Yeah, for sure. But uh, no, I mean, that, that breakdown Orlovsky had was just, he puts defenses in just such compromising decisions that yeah. they have to make. I remember. Where I, it seems that every decision they make leads to a, leads to just a big play. Well, and that's, uh, uh, Dustin Ragusa did a really good job to bring this back to OSU. He did a really good job breaking down like the, the Gleason kind of fingerprint on, on game one. Uh, everybody should go check it out. He did kind of like three like deep dive takeaways on the offensive game plan and some of it is Sanders like he's so dangerous you can do whatever you want with him as an offensive coordinator but some of it is like he's got he's got this stuff where it's like Jelani is like running out of the backfield and like sealing the edge and you're like well that's terrifying like who who (laughs) stops that you know and I just I think Gleason's going to be really good. And I look, are we over? Are we like totally overreacting? We did this after Boise last year, and then we looked like idiots. But I'm, I whatever. I don't care. I, I want to overreact. I'm here for the overreaction. <laughs> no, I, I thought I thought Gleason looked looked really good. I'm. It seemed as if he had more of an imprint than maybe we probably thought he would. Yeah. Week one, yeah. season one. I agree. Uh, Seems like Gundy. Um, that, that to me is intriguing and exciting. Doesn't it seem like Gundy trusts him more than he has offensive coordinators in the past, maybe? Yeah, and I think it kind of goes to his point where he said, you know, no one had heard of Mike Yersich, but people knew who this guy was. Like, Princeton, like, led the FCS in scoring. I think he, I think he's certainly more proven as a play caller than, than Yersich even was coming from, from Shippensburg. So I think, I think that's why. Yeah. Um, I, I am concerned about Gundy hanging on to him. If they lead the country in scoring, I mean – He's gonna be the first name listed on a lot of coaching searches. So, I remember when I remember when Lincoln was hired, and uh, 
we're I, I'm looking around at some of our our guys at PFB, and I'm like, guys, look, like this is a window. Oklahoma State's got a window here. Is 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 this guy going to be better than Bob Stoops? Come on. <laughs> As it turns out, he might be a lot better. I mean, talk about a crazy hire that was in the moment and how well it's turned out so far. I mean, guy was 33 years old, never been head coach. He was taking over at OU for Bob Stoops. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, he's, uh, he's, he's certainly up there recruiting, which to me would be a concern for, for Oklahoma State. So. It's it's awful. It's depressing. Uh, speaking of recruiting, I want to touch on this real quick before we get to our uniform preview. Your cousin, your your brother, your cousin? Uh, distant, distant cousin, we'll say. Okay, second or third cousin, Cade, in town this weekend. Big weekend. Bigger weekend for, fo- for the football program or the basketball program? Uh, basketball. I yeah. mean, they're basically – this week for the football program is to like just impress Kate Cunningham. Like that's their number one job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> beating McNeese should go without, without saying, but like did the, you see the picture that OSU basketball tweeted out of like the facility? It's, it looks like they like redesigned the whole thing just for like him coming this weekend. <laughs> it looks incredible. I mean, it looks like the bluest of the blue bloods uh, facility should look. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with what OSU's done with their basketball facilities. I mean, that was kind of the the criticism I had always had for, you know, people like, well, Travis Ford's recruiting well. I was like, well, well, no kidding, he should be. Look, look at the facilities they built for this guy. Remember, remember Michael Cobbins doing the little MTV crib style deal through the locker room? I was like, I could be recruiting to this place. Are you kidding me? So it, it's cool to see that they've upgraded all that stuff because you have to keep up. And man, it's it's a huge weekend, Kyle. Because if they land him, and you know, maybe Bryce Thompson would follow Cade Cunningham where he goes. I'm not I'm not certain of that, but. This is a, a program-changing type of recruit. Is is That's how big of a weekend this is. Yeah, it really is. I've, I've talked to Boone about it a little bit. There, it, It's it's day-to-day. I feel like it changes so, so much. And it's been a little negative recently. Um, and, and Boone's written about all this uh, on, the, on the PFB Plus forum. Again, another plug. But he's had some really interesting just like kind of mini nuggets just like really little stuff that is like fun to read too much into but probably doesn't mean a ton um so who knows like this is his first official i think it's gonna be a while um i don't know i think that here's the thing for me with, with boynton is like if they don't get him then it doesn't it doesn't feel like i mean it feels like boynton's all in he is all in on Cade cunningham but if they don't get him, it still feels like okay, like they'll still have some guys, right? Like it, it's not, it's not like a, well, if he doesn't get him, he's that's that's it, like he's done. You know, I I I think that there are like many contingency plans. That's how recruiting works. That that is recruiting is having contingency plans, and that's kind of what it sounds like. Boynton is up to a, a little bit behind the scenes when it comes to Cunningham. Yeah, I mean, he already has building blocks in place he's he's recruited very well and has more commits coming um but a Cade Cunningham is like I know he is he might end up being the number one guy in their in that class yeah I mean that's that's lottery pick stuff that's that's not quite Zion stuff but that's Gerald Green stuff you know what I mean like that's that's guys who are going to take you to a final four yeah. good that, yeah. that's that, that's what you're dealing with you're going from a tournament team to a final four team if you get him it's it's really that simple 
Yeah, and the way he's progressed, right? Like his trajectory. It's not like he came into ninth grade and and he was like listed as the number two recruit, and then everybody's like, "Well, I I guess he's the guy. Like we'll just leave him there." Like he he's moved up consistently, gotten better consistently, and all of a sudden he's the number two recruit in the country going into his senior year, and you're like, "I mean, this guy's he he might be the number one pick in the NBA draft next year or in in uh, two years." Well, the the good news is if he plays in the McDonald's game, he can't leave to the to the NBA like uh, Gerald Green did. Uh, when's he When's he going to? Is he put a timetable on commitment and signing? Is he going to be an early signer or a regular signer? Uh, he, like signing in April probably. No, I I think he want like from what uh, Kyle Boone has written and reported and other stuff that I've seen, he he wants to do it a li- not like super early, but a little bit early, and then like recruit other guys to come with him wherever he goes okay because there's an early signing period in november and then the the regular period is is begins like april 15th i think so he wants to do i wouldn't the, know if he'd sign early or not but commit early maybe the november oh okay wow so it's this is pressing this is an urgent weekend then i think it, it might just i might have that wrong maybe it's just that he wants to commit early and then get other maybe. guys to go with him that sounds that sounds more accurate probably, but accurate. no, it's, it's huge. I mean, I'm not just saying that cause he's a Cunningham, but, uh, <laughs> but again, I mean, it is kind of cool, Kyle. You remember we, all the conversations we had when they, when they hired Mike Boynton, we were like, well, he's going to have to be able to recruit. Like that's, that's paramount. That's going to be his lifeblood. And he, he's proven that he can do that. Even if he doesn't get Kate Cunningham, he's bringing a different level of recruit that they haven't quite had. And he's getting indoors, quite frankly, that that uh, they haven't quite gotten into. You know, I, I ran into Mike um, at the Bob Bray Jr. Memorial Tournament this summer, and I think it was June. And I kind of, I I asked him just a general question about recruiting, and he's like, "Yeah, like, you know, we're getting indoors. People probably don't think we belong in, but we do. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna continue to do that. I'm going after people that might maybe think we don't have a chance at. And like he he basically has proven to families and recruits that he is worthy of being in their living room. So it's, it's an exciting time for OSU basketball. It's, it's probably the most encouraged I've been about OSU basketball since maybe the, since that, that run Underwood went on, I guess, to get to the tournament. That's, that seems like forever ago. Yeah. It feels like a decade ago. Here's Cunningham's uh, quote on committing. He said, um, this was after, uh, let's see, this was after his brother was hired I think um, yes after his brother was hired at OSU so he says I'm not in a hurry I don't want to wait until the uh, I but I so he says I'm not in a hurry I don't want to wait until the last signing period I feel like that doesn't really make any sense I'd want to commit as early as possible and then recruit other guys to come to the school that I'm at when I know I'll go I don't want to waste anybody's time a lot of people already know where they're going yeah. So I, it, it, that's a little vague because he says, I'm not in a hurry, but also I don't want to wait until the last signing period. But I don't know if that means for a co- commitment or I, who knows. Right. It's uh, a little vague. Yeah. What I do know is that we're going to be covering it just, you know, every single word that he says is going to be covered uh, on our website. <laughs> so, um, okay, Carson, we need to get to uh, a little uni preview. You ready? I'm fired up. Are you prepared? Let's get to this week's uniform preview. 
or excuse me, let's get to this week's uniform prediction brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, okay, we are, let's see, I, last week, I did I get a bonus point for the helmet or no? Uh, I think Southwell was going to give it to you. I wasn't. We need like a mediator. I mean, that was like as close as you can get without getting it. I should get like a the only half. thing you got, the only but the only thing you got was the brand. That's literally it. No, I call it. You the, called the black the black stripe. That was the that was the Patriot Pete stripe. It was orange and black, and that's totally different. No, I said the TCU game last year. Was that not the orange and black stripe? No, that was no. a new helmet that we saw. No, hold on, I'm pulling it up. Give give me this week. Yeah. Give, give me your pick this week. Fake fake news. Uh, my prediction this week, Kyle, I, I know you love the tricolor uh, combos. You lean to those more than, than most people do. And it just seems as if the equipment staff does not like the tricolor. We've seen very, I think the only real tricolors I can remember are the, are the infamous bedlam threads, the black helmet, the white jersey, and the orange pants. They, they have rarely done a, I don't know if they have done a tricolor at home. I want to see that. I want to see, I don't care if it's white, orange, black black orange white you know i want to see a tricolor at home but i don't think we're going to see it this week i'm going white helmet orange jersey orange pants uh white helmet being um i'm gonna go the the helmet that you actually predicted the brand with the the black stripe down the middle and the black face mask that's my prediction okay i just sent you a picture from the t i just texted you a picture from the tcu game last year is that not the helmet they wore against against oregon state um. Yeah, that's the helmet. Only they had an orange face mask. So yeah. And they flipped the stripe. Okay, fine. They had, they had a. They, no, you're right. Like they had an orange stripe down the middle instead of. So. Okay. See, I didn't think they wore those last year against TCU. So I'm mistaken. You're right. So I, that's a that's a that's a point. That's a point. That's yeah. a point. So it's, I'll, I'll allow it. So I got. <laughs> so I got. Uh, it's three to what is it? Three to two after week one. Did you get? Yeah, two? I got. Skunked practically. I got the white jersey. That's a gimme. Free space. Because had I known Oregon State was going to wear all black, I would have changed my prediction yeah. to all white, and I would have nailed it. I'm going. Um, I forgot what Southwell predicted. We got We'll do it. We'll do a uni. Pre, I'll do a uni uh, prediction post. I think. Friday. I think Southwell and I predicted the same thing. I think we had the same pick: black helmet, brand white jersey, black pants. Not good. Uh, this week I'm going. So I'm going. You went white, orange, orange. Yep. I'm going white, orange, white. The traditional. Yeah, they went. They went with it against uh, Tulsa uh, two years ago, and then last year, I think last year they went white, orange, orange. Right in the first game at home. Yep. So I'm going back to 17. They go white, orange, white, and I'm going Patriot Pete as the helmet. Okay, that's exactly what they wore against Tulsa. That's when they debuted the uh, Patriot. Pete. Yeah helmet i think they go back to going back to that i like that it's a good looking combo I it like is it. it's it's safe it's good everybody likes it nobody nobody thinks it's bad um yeah do you agree with me though on the have we ever seen a tricolor at home i don't think we have no, nothing springs to mind uh k-state in 11 what was that was that gray black, black, gray black, gray black gray i think uh, didn't they go uh no i think you're right yeah 
Black, Black, Orange was Kansas yeah, in 2011. That's won by 80 about. points or yeah, whatever. The game we were talking about earlier. But it's... no, they, they don't do tricolor hardly ever. Let alone, they've never done it at home, I don't think. If someone out there is listening can send me a picture and correct me, I, I may be wrong on that. My memory's fuzzier, and they've worn a million uniforms since 2011. <laughs> so I could be wrong. But And look, I've never – I think tricolor is harder to pull off. Uh, you love it. More than most, yeah, but it's, uh, it's I'd like elite. to. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it attempted. I mean, why not do it against McNeese? If it stinks, it's well. No, it's nobody's watching on TV anyway. It's yeah. It's 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 uh, barely on TV. It's on it's ESPN on, Plus. Yeah, it's on ESPN Plus. Uh, it is. It's so hard to like go up against the black, white, orange tricolor that they wore at OU last year. That like anything you do at home, it's like, well, that, that wasn't even close to as good as the the road one. What would you think would look the best? I don't know. I guess like white, black, orange. See, I was just... thinking like black. They have done tricolor at home. I'm, I'm stupid. Black. They did black, orange, white at homecoming when they wore the matte black helmet with the old school brand. And it looked awesome. It was like Jimmy Johnson era uniforms with the black helmet, orange uh, shirt. Yeah, white that, was against, that was against West Virginia. That's yeah, right. looks yeah. great. Yeah. It was it looked it, awesome. Yeah, it was. That was. That was. Uh, that was a really good uni matchup because West Virginia had some, yeah, that was strong. Yeah. So ho- hopefully, and if not this game, I'd like to see it at least attempted a few times this year. That's my, that's my uni take of the week. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay. Let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's university spirit, and we'll come back and wrap things up. Chris's university spirit on campus corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, pistols firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Uh, what do you What do you got going on this weekend? You in studio? I'll be in Stillwater. I'll be in Stillwater at the nice. games. Um, fired up. Love Love the home opener in Stillwater. Um, I love being on campus in Stilly. I, you and I have talked about it before, but one of the most underrated, you know, tailgating environments there is. And yeah. and I just you know it's been a, it's a long off season. I'm I'm ready to watch a game at Pickens Stadium. So I'm I'm fired up. You're gonna have a like a Chuba jersey tee on underneath your suit. Uh, Jelani. <laughs> I would have a Jelani jersey. You know, I was always the guy that like I wouldn't get like the main like everyone's gonna have like a Chuba jersey or a or a Spencer or Tywin. I would always go off the board. I'd, I'd like to get like the, you know, like if this were a Thunder analogy, I'd be the guy in the Nick Collison jersey, not the Russell Westbrook or Kevin Durant jersey. Yeah. Not that I wear jerseys anyway, but if I did, that's my, what I would get. My uh, thir- my one of my kids. I I can't that can't. There's too many to count. <laughs> one of my kids was in a uh, Durant Thunder jersey the other day. How do you feel about that? That's like um, I don't know. It's like we. That should be like a, a kid in a third world country should be wearing that. Should be wearing like a Buffalo Bills Super Bowl champions T-shirt. How about a Buffalo Bills Tyron Johnson jersey? Yeah, let's go. I'm glad, I'm glad to see he got signed up. I hope he sticks around. I just I'm I'm nervous he'll get cut again. I don't know. Is he on the practice squad or is he on the 53? 
I think I he's on see. the. I think he's on the practice quest. Get him to get him to New England. Get it. Tommy will. Tommy will just cue him up. Like he'll he'll go for like a thousand yards. I bet you Tyron landed in Buffalo and has no idea how cold it's going to be in about <laughs> months. I already feel bad. <laughs> he's going to see more snow than he's ever seen in his life playing can, for the Bills. Can you believe all the? Can you believe Vincent Taylor got cut by the Dolphins? What in the? What was that? The Dolphins are like the first NFL team I've seen just go full tank. Like they're tanking. Like they're just cutting their good players and trading their good players. They're trying to be like the worst team ever assembled. It's so. I, I try. We had our. Uh, we had a. We're at, we have a PFB Plus fantasy league. I haven't played fantasy honestly probably in like eight years, nine years. And I was like trying to, I was like trying to draft OSU guys, but I was like, I can't take Justice Hill in like the fifth round, can I? Like that's dumb. Uh, <laughs> that is but dumb. but I was reminded of, uh, I mean, Chris Carson is like one of the best, and and an, I, I don't, this is not a brilliant statement, but I don't follow the NFL a ton. He's like one of the best running backs in the NFL, and like goes Who's that? Chris Carson. Oh yeah, he's top five in rushing last year, and he goes early in fantasy drafts, and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, he barely played. Yeah. So no, I mean, I, I drafted him in like the third round in my draft. Yeah, um, I did take Baker, by the way. I took Kyler in one of my leagues. <laughs> this is no issue podcast, isn't it? I, t- I took uh, I took OBJ and Baker. Nobody wants to hear about our fantasy teams. What, what are we I did doing? take I did take James Washington to keep to keep, to keep it uh, to keep it uh, OSU related. Sorry about the dog. Yeah, even your dog doesn't want to hear about our fantasy teams. Uh, okay, yeah. Carson, enjoy the weekend. We will be back hopefully on Sunday, leading into Monday, with a recap of what should be a blowout maybe a little drew brown sighting and uh yeah should be another fun weekend i'm excited to see the best offense in the country uh, for their second week i'm fired up can't wait see you bye